Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. everyone to another episode of gtf gabriel talks football my name is aldo gandia this is the first of two live shows today at 7 p.m it'll be bears country podcast with mr shorty and nomad is going to be on the show so the two of those guys will be taking over bears country podcast tonight and so you should watch that because those two guys know their stuff and are two ardent fans a guy who is also who also knows his stuff more than probably anyone that I know is Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm wonderful. How about you? I'm doing okay. You know, it was nice. Uh, we took a few days off from barroom stuff, so I recharged the batteries a little bit. Was supposed to do some Christmas shopping, but I didn't do any of it. <laughs> so. what, what? What's that? Christmas shopping? Oh, yeah. We got to do that. It's only two weeks away, isn't it? Less than two weeks, I believe. <laughs> pretty scary. Pretty. I know. Brock Purdy. <laughs> what do you think about Brock Purdy? Holy cow. This guy looks like he's a, 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 an experienced quarterback. Well, you know, I got to tell you, I've always liked him. You know, I I watched, number one, I like the Iowa State coach. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm surprised one of the bigger power five schools hasn't tried to come along and snatch it. And maybe they had. You just you know, haven't heard about it, <clears throat> but I watched him a lot his last two years. And I thought he was undervalued by people. He didn't have the greatest supporting cast, but he was always really poised. Mm-hmm. You know, his natural skill set is probably just above average. Doesn't have a cannon arm or anything like that, but he's a real smart guy. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And so, you know, you put him in a, in a system and he's got one of the best offensive coaches in the world and Shanahan coaching him. Hell, you know, I, I just think you're, you're finding out exactly what it could, can be. And I, um, you know, I tweeted out this morning, I said, San Francisco may have found their, their young quarterback and it isn't Trey Lance. So, <laughs> you know, what the hell happens to Trey Lance if this continues? Yeah, true. I mean, and it's the big if it has to continue. Right, exactly. Well, you know, and and typically what happens when these quarterbacks come out strong, you know, they lay all this tape down, defensive coordinators start scheming ways to uh to reduce what they've been doing effectively. So, I anticipate that's probably what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks or so that you know, we're not well, going to he's going to lose his best weapon at least for a few weeks in in Debo. That's another issue, yeah. That, you know, so but still, you know, Shanahan does a great job, but you just got to look at the way he handles himself during the game. Yeah, the kid is very, very poised. He's accurate. He gets the ball out of his hand very, very quickly. He doesn't get flustered. I mean, those are all things that you want. Now, does he? Ha- he doesn't have the natural skill set, the athleticism, or the arm that Trey Lance has, but. This kid was like a four-year starter at Iowa State. It's a Power Five school versus an FCS-level school where he played one game his last year. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I keep going back. I go, what What was I missing? I, I, I get you're looking at the skill set. And I think I've said this before. And I talked to Daniel Jeremiah about it. You know, he just said, people are looking at what they think he can be, not what he is. Well, you know what? What you can be can get you fired or screw up a trade. When you look at the the amount of picks they gave up, and, and they gave up, who was that, 21, right? Right. Okay, they gave up um, – I don't have it. Wait a minute, it's in here, 21. Yeah. It's in my phone. Yeah, uh, we, we were going to mention some of the trades that have happened from those high draft picks to see what kind of return there is, but that's not an easy thing to do, is it? <laughs> San Francisco traded its first-round selection – or San Francisco to Miami traded its first-round selection overall – uh, to San Francisco, it changed for first, the 12th overall, uh, a 22nd, first, and third, and then there's one other one here, um, and a 23 first. Oh, so they're, they're, they're still paying for them. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's not a good return on investment so far. And uh, No, not at all. Yeah, you, you think about all of the draft – uh, misses that Lynch has had over at San Francisco. And it's amazing that they have such a good team. I mean, uh, the year when Trubisky came out, they, they picked up the linebacker from Alabama. Uh, well, no, they, they, with the first round pick, they took Solomon from Stanford and he was a total bust. Yes. And then later in the first round, they picked up that linebacker. And a lot of people were, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but a lot of people were, were, were thinking well, he, had, he had some off field issues. Exactly. It's just, they, they've had some misses and yet they've got maybe the best defense in, in pro football. And uh, you get a hot quarterback in the best defense. They could go long in these, in this playoffs. Oh, right. Absolutely. What about your bills? How did they do yesterday? They uh, beat the jets in, in Buffalo cold wet day it was raining in the first half mm-hmm. and you know i get a text from my daughter she goes i'm freezing my ass off i can't keep she goes i finally got good boots my feet are fine my hands are frozen <laughs> poor, poor daughter and then they got this saturday night they have uh miami mm-hmm. and it, they're supposed to have one to three inches of snow oh, man. so i said you better find some gloves kid yeah, that's going to be a great matchup, the Dolphins and Bills. Uh, and if there's one to three inches of snow, the Dolphins aren't even going to show up. Yeah. Come on. You get a team from, from down there, go up north, and, and it's only going to be like 30 degrees. It's not going to be that cold. Mm-hmm. But you got the snow on the field, and 30 degrees to somebody who's been in Miami all that time is going to feel like it's zero. Yep. I was surprised that uh, Miami uh, only mustered up. Uh, I was actually trying to see the s- score from yesterday's game with the Chargers, but the, they had, I think, 17 points. I was surprised that's all they mustered up, given all the injuries the Chargers defense had yesterday. But uh, maybe uh, the Dolphins are not quite as good as we thought they were. Well, it was a road game. They had to travel. Out. Now, this is a tough part of their schedule. They had to go from Miami out to L.A., Yeah. play at night, Mm-hmm. Back, so they get to Miami early this morning. Then they got a short week and got to go up to Buffalo and freeze their ass off. <laughs> Not and play on Saturday night instead of Sunday. Yeah, everybody has a bad schedule at some point or or another in their. And in I their- just read before I came on Buffalo 
clinches the AFC East with a win over my and the worst went clinch the AFC East and the worst they could do is be the three seed by winning against Miami and then beating the Bears on Christmas Eve. Oh well, those are two givens there. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend that the Bears have a chance against the Buffalo Bills. All right, let's talk about the Chicago Bears. Um, I wanted to focus some of our energy here today on the offensive line. And I know some of this might be repetitive because over the last several weeks, you've mentioned a, a, a few things regarding the line. We've looked at some players, but I want to relook at uh, particularly Alex Leatherwood because if Leatherwood does pan out and he shows, you know, a surprisingly uh, good play in these last few weeks, if he gets back on the field, because Iberflus today said it's all based on practice, but if he plays well, then something that you've been saying for the last several weeks is that you think that there should only be maybe one new offensive lineman acquired with, with you know, a high draft pick or, or big free agency dollars. Is that right? Fair? Right. right. And, and, and I'm going to put a little caveat into that. I'm assuming that they like Patrick the same way they liked Patrick when they signed him, mm -hmm. you know, and that the injuries, he, they signed him to be a center. His tape the last two years at Green Bay playing center was outstanding. And, you know, they gave a pretty good chunk of change. I don't think they're ready to give up on him yet. Now, maybe they are. You know, and we're, we're going to find that out during the offseason. It's not like they, if they wanted to give up on him and, and take the half hit, they, they, you know, they could easily do it. It, it, it. It's wasting money, yes, but they could do it and, and easily afford to do it. Uh, but I'm just thinking that, you know, the, the, the reason why they signed him in the first place mm -hmm. and then – uh, the injuries took effect this year, and then they had to play a different position than they wanted to play uh, because of some of the other injuries that he just wasn't given. I, I don't even want to say a fair shake. Mm -hmm. he, he just w wasn't put in an optimum position to succeed. Mm -hmm. You know. So that being said, I, I still think he's the center next year. And then it's, okay, Cody Whitehair is going to make a lot of money next year. Do you want to keep Cody Whitehair or do you move on? Uh, Cody Whitehair is playing pretty good football. It's not that he stinks. And and we've seen what Tevin Jenkins has done. Braxton Jones, I think, is going to be a – nobody's going to change my mind that he's not going to be a quality left tackle in this league. So now the big question mark is the right tackle. And Borum – you know, the, the, obviously he's hurt right now, but he just hit the wall. Mm -hmm. And if, if we're honest, the guy, you know, you had expectations based on the way he played uh, last year. Uh, you thought that he'd grow this year. And to me, he's just leveled off. And so he's a backup at best. And then is he a backup that can get you out of a game? And I'm not even sure he's a backup that can get you out of a game. Hmm. You know, and because – Riley Reef playing the last few weeks has totally outplayed Borum. Mm -hmm. And then last week, Leatherwood gets 10 or 11 snaps 
He didn't play bad. He didn't play great. He didn't do anything wrong, put it that way. Mm-hmm. But I don't think in just watching those 10 or 11 snaps, I don't think he played the position as good as Reef played the position. Okay. And now, is that a fair comparison? No, because it was only, like I say, 10 or 11 snaps. And I'm going back to what I've been saying for weeks is that I'm not so sure that he's really a true right tackle. You know, that he played the left side. I keep repeating myself. I know he played the left side in Alabama. And I just think he might be better off on the left side, which, and that means he's not going to be the left tackle because Braxton Jones is the left tackle. And if people disagree, they can disagree. I mean, you know, chime in if you want. Um, But can he compete for the left guard position or do they say, you know what, he's good enough to be the right tackle that it was, you know, his first time playing on the right side. And that's why he was struggling with the Raiders or whatever, but it, it, you know, they, they, it's not really costing him anything. They got those that it's costing them the salary portion of his contract. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, and so if they cut him, yeah, there's some cap hits, but they don't get because of where he was taken, there's guarantees, but the, the signing bonus and all that, that was paid for by the Raiders. The Raiders took that hit. So if he doesn't pan out, you know, it, it, it was an expensive waiver claim and that's it. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Borum, uh, maybe taking, maybe playing some guard because, uh, uh, Not Bo- I didn't say Borum. I said Leatherwood. Oh, okay. Leatherwood. Le- Leatherwood at guard. I think Leatherwood is a is a left guard. He, I, 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 he struggled playing right tackle. Yes, he did. Okay, for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Played 10 or 11 snaps last week. Didn't play bad. Didn't play great. Didn't play bad. He was vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um, whether he is the right tackle of the future, I can't answer that. I don't think any of us can. I don't know if the coaches can. No one you'll find you'll find out over the course of the next few games by the number of reps he gets. Yep. And if if he's not getting if his reps don't go up, now Riley Reef, the way he's played, deserves to start. Mm-hmm. So you can't pull him out, but at least you can split time. Now, part this is part of the interesting thing. There's there's a clause in Reef's contract, and I don't know what the percentage is, but if he plays a certain percentage of plays he gets a huge bonus. Yes, he does. So, you, you know, and, and that comes out at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they could cut his play time just so they don't have to pay the bonus. Yep. Well, last night I started looking at some Raiders tape to take a look at Leatherwood's performance at right tackle. And boy, oh boy, did I run into a number of plays where it was almost comical what was going on to him. Take a look at this play. He's at the right tackle. He wears numbers. He wore number 70 with the Raiders. And so I think that's number 90 uh, up against him, but he's got to pick up number 31 and watch what happens here. It is just Olay, you know, and <laughs> that is just not good technique. T- take us through that. What's he doing wrong besides everything? Uh, well, I got to look at it a little bit here and, and see it's always looking inside. Mm-hmm. He's the guys, the 31's already starting to come back across his face. And 
Leatherwood's not anticipating that. Right. So he's still got his weight on the outside, not ready to come back to the inside. Right. And so he's late reacting to it. Yeah. Nice. But see, some of that is you go back and, and you watch him at Alabama. Right. Where he's playing left tackle and see if you ever saw that. And I'm going to tell you right now, you don't see it. Hmm. Uh, granted, it's against college guys, but still, sure. hey, they, they, they stunt in college. He's got to do certain things. You know, he, he graded out really well mm -hmm. at left tackle for Alabama. So I just keep going, you know, that's maybe the left side is a natural position. It's putting your left hand on the ground, your left foot's back when you're in the stance, and everything switches. Now, for a lot of people, it's easy, and they can do it. But for other people, it, it, it's, you know, a, a, like turning everything around and they just can't adapt as easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, um, uh, you're right. I mean, it would be interesting to see him at guard because one thing that he, in this Raiders tape that he was really good at was run blocking. Uh, it was the pass blocking where it seemed over and over again he was having problems. Let me show you another right tackle play when he was with the Raiders that, again, was somewhat comical. It's as if he gets shot here. <laughs> you see what happens to number 70? Right off the line, he just falls flat on his face. He's, over he's overextended. Okay. And now go back. Okay. He trips. He trips over the shoe of the guard. Oh, right. look at how good you are! It took me twenty times to notice that. <laughs> See, he's bringing the, the the guard's right foot. Yes. <laughs> Borum's bringing his left foot, and he hits the right ankle mm -hmm. of of the uh, right guard, and then he goes over. Yeah. And this past uh, game, when he saw the 10 snaps, he, he did well. There's no doubt about it, but he did get a lot of help. Uh, and it, it was very, very carefully planned uh, plays that they gave him. One of the good plays that he had, he was on the field for that bomb to EQ. Let's take right. a look at it here. He's number 72 on the right tackle. Pretty good extension there. Holds off. Yeah, the now water. there at, at the first at the end of it, he keeps his back straight. Now here's what I don't like, and you saw this a lot, is that see see his body position right there. Yep. Where he's got his his chest, he's bent over at the waist. Yes. Okay. Now you watch a really good. Okay. Look at Braxton Jones on the left side. Okay. Look at his back. Yeah. It's straight. Right. Okay. So. You when you get in that position like that, now he in the next step he straightens out a little bit, mm -hmm. but you want to be you want to be straight right from the start because what happens is you get off balance and overextend it. Now mm -hmm. there he straightens himself out and he right. handles the bull rush right there. Mm -hmm. But that's the one thing I noticed watching the tape is that when he starts off, and I don't know if you got any more clips. I got one more. He's got that little bit of waistbend at the beginning. Yeah. And that, that is correctable because, again, you go back to the Alabama tape and you don't see it. Mm -hmm. One thing that I saw with him at, at, with the Raiders and happened once with the Bears is that sometimes it, it appears like he falls asleep and gets a late jump on the snap. Take a look at him here. Again, number 72 at right tackle. Yeah. So how, how late he was? It's like, wow, what are you, what are you thinking here? Just very late start and um, – 
But overall, he did well, and there's some room for improvement. Hopefully he has a good week of practice because I'd love to see him out there for another 10, 20 games. Do you think it's too soon to have him play an entire game? Um, that, that, you know, I can't say that because I'm not watching practice. You know, and, you know, if you compare Reef's play to his play, Reef played better. Yeah. Okay, so – you know, I, I'm not against giving him reps. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, my opinion, he's got to earn it. You can't hand him anything. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that, you know, you're, you, you've kind of torn down. It's like the Bears team. You've torn down the team and now you're trying to rebuild it. Well, now you're trying, in, in the case of Leatherwood, you're trying to rebuild a player. Mm-hmm. And, but he's got to earn everything he gets. Yeah. Don't, don't hand him a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Long says, isn't it valuable? Yes. Isn't it valuable maintaining Leatherwood and Jenkins on that right side for, for teamwork and not move them around? I mean, we, we've seen a lot of moving around of offensive linemen here in Chicago Bears history. Wouldn't it be better just to stick them, whatever he's going to play this season, stick him at right tackle and see how he does with Jenkins? Well, again, you got to earn it. Mm-hmm. And they still want to win some games. I think it's important for the, I, I get it. The draft people want them to lose everything, you know, and, and, and finish three and 14. And so the worst case scenario is they got the second pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. And if Houston wins two games, they have the first pick because Houston has that tie. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I get that. But from the standpoint, if they lose the rest of the games, they're going to have what, what a, a 13 game or 12 game losing streak or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's that sucks to go into the off season like that. You, you've got to have something to, to help your mind build and look forward to, to playing. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have some success. What do you think about what J2K says here is he's got a working theory that our starting offensive line next year is already on the roster and zero upgrades will be made in free agency or the draft. What do you think about that? Well, that's a possibility. I, If it's me, I'm going after a quality right tackle because they got the money they have. Mm-hmm. And we've... Greg froze on me. Uh, at San Francisco, both of these guys are going to be uh, free agents if, in fact, they don't get franchised. I mean, that's the big question. Who gets franchised, who doesn't, or gets transitioned or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do they, they re-sign with their clubs? So um, those are – Conklin is the guy at Cleveland. Uh, those are guys that, that I um, – I go after first. Somebody said to me on Twitter, the Kansas City right tackle, and I think he's very, very average. He's a weak link on the Kansas City mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. Um, and they play a different kind of offense. They don't play that wide zone mm-hmm. offense where you, you got your tackle's got to have a degree of athleticism, and maybe that's part of the problem with Borm. He just doesn't have enough athleticism mm. to – be able to play when you get on those uh, wide type uh, and wide type uh, run plays where you got to get out in space and adjust on the move, things like that. And then he just doesn't set that quickly in pass pro. Mm-kay. You know, sometimes he gets beat right off the set. What do you think of 
potentially moving Larry Borum to a guard position to see how he does there. I had a buddy who said that he's, he's heard rumblings from Hallis Hall that uh, they might make that move of Borum inside. Um, I don't know if he's athletic enough. Hmm. If, you had, if you had the scheme that you ran last year, offensive line scheme that you ran last year, mm-hmm. I'd say, yes, you could do it. I don't know in this scheme where there's a premium put on athleticism that he's the athlete to do it. You know, I, I guess I'm on that stage where I got to prove it to me. I want to see him do it yep. or see him have to get out in space and play. He, he doesn't show that he's able to do a tackle and he'd have to do it more guard. Mm-hmm. I do agree with J2K that this offensive line, you know, uh, um, and and really, you, you're the one that introduced the thought into my mind several shows ago when you said, I don't think that there's there, there's going to be an overhaul of this offensive line. I think a lot of these players are, have potential. You start with Braxton Jones. I mean, this guy, to me, looks like a left tackle, and he's just going to get better and better, which is nice to see. Here's the roster. This is from the Bears website. Here, the, the two rows on the left and center are who is – Currently active, Larry Borum, Jay Tyree Carter, Dieter Iceland, Tevin Jenkins, Braxton Jones, Alex Leatherwood, Mustafa Reef, Schofield, and Whitehair, uh, Kellen Deesh, and Michael Nisi are uh, on injured reserve. Excuse me, uh, Kramer and Patrick are in on injured reserve, and those two top guys are on the practice squad. Um, would you like to see Dieter Iceland and J. Tyree Carter play some snaps this season before we, we call it quits for 2022? Uh, well, Dieter Iceland has played some snaps. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I'm repeating myself. I realize that, you know, from previous shows. But this guy's been around for three years, and mm-hmm. he's had an opportunity for three years to jump into a starting spot, and he hasn't been able to do it. Mm-hmm. So – you know, I, I think he is what he is. He's a backup. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, well, sometimes it's fans, the best players on the team are the backups because you don't know how good or bad they are until they have to play. The guy that interests me is Carter. Mm-hmm. And only because, you know, he played tackle at Southern University. Uh, tackle in a guard's body. He is extremely athletic. Now, I think we've talked about this before, too. This guy was a point guard on his high school basketball team at 260 pounds. That's right. And not only was he, you know, wasn't because he knew how to dribble and he could pass. This guy had lower-level D1 offers to play guard in college. Wow. Okay, so mid-major offers, and that's fact. So – it, you you got to have some sort of athleticism to be able to get those those offers, mm-hmm. and he's strong as an ox. But I thought it was very very raw. More than held his own at at the Senior Bowl, and I think this this is like a, a learning year for him. And he's another guy that could you know we're going to find out after the season, you know what what the thinking is. Um, can you bring up their, their cap stuff? Because I don't have, or I can go into it too. No, I can do that. Uh, uh, give me a second. No, and do they, I think Mustafer, not Mustafer, um, Whitehair's got, I think, one year left on his deal. 
Yeah, I think there's a potential out after next season. Um, I will uh, take a look at this here. Let's see. Team salary caps, Chicago Bears. Um, all right. So we'll go. We'll, let me put this up on the screen. And here we are. Let me get rid of the video commercial. There's Cody Whitehair. Let's go full on him, see what his contract status is. Uh, another commercial. Somebody wants to sell us some feminine hygiene stuff. <laughs> um, is, uh... Yeah, it's pretty small. Okay, so, but I'll, I'll read it to you. So there isn't a potential out. 2023, he's got $8 million in debt, debt cap money, uh, a cap hit of $14 million. And in 2024, the last year of his contract, it's another $4 million in debt cap and a cap hit of $13 million. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a good size cap hit. Next year is 23. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a pretty good size cap hit. He's he's going to be around another year. Yeah, I, and, and he has not played poorly this season. In no, fact, he has not. Before the show, I was saying, you know, I think that uh, Cody might have had his best season with the Bears. Now, he, he did miss a couple of games because of injury, but it, it seems like this system is better suited for him than what they ran a year ago. Uh, yeah, I, he's another guy that's athletic. Now, you know, he was a left tackle at Kansas State. Right, right. That's right. And then they brought him in here, and they, they out of need, they ended up putting him at center. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you could say the same thing about him – because he's played some right guard too, but he's played better on the left side than the right side, and he was the left uh, tackle in, in, in college. You could say the same thing about Leatherwood as we're, we're saying about Whitehair, that you know, put him on the left side and he's going to be that much better hmm. because that's his more comfortable side. Mm -hmm. Getting back to Dieter Iceland, uh, I've uh, read uh, a couple of reports about Sam Mustafer that the reason he is seeing so much action is because of his smarts and the coaching staff really trusts him to know what he's doing out there. There's comfort with Justin Fields and Mustafer because they know the playbook so well together and to put somebody like Dieter or someone else at that center position might risk, you know, knowledge um, do you buy in, into that? I see you kind of smiling. <laughs> no, because I'm thinking you got Notre Dame versus Yale, I think. So that, <laughs> you know, uh, he went to an Ivy League school, I don't remember if it was Yale or not, but I think it was Yale. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, they're both smart kids, but uh, the center is the glue of your offensive line, right? And and you're not going to you're not going to have a good cohesive unit unless you've got a smart center. Mm -hmm. He's got to make the line calls. He, he, he's like the conductor. Yeah. Okay. He, he does a lot of the dirty work. He doesn't get the notoriety unless you're like an Olin Krutz who, you know, will kill anybody. Um, <laughs> but he, he's the guy. Mm -hmm. And so everything runs through the center now, there have been cases where I've seen because the center just can't do it where a guard makes the line calls. But I think it, you know, it's a lot more difficult because the center is literally in the middle and he comes up and he's got to see things. He's got to be, he's got to be like a quarterback as far as his, his ability to process. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, 
getting back to that topic of, you know, additions for next season, as I was uh, doing some research about the Philadelphia Eagles and, and one of the big reasons Jalen Hurts is playing so well this season is because he's had clean pocket after clean pocket after clean pocket. That offensive line is very talented uh, and they have drafted uh, offensive linemen for depth purposes, even in the second round. They've got a second rounder on the bench who probably will take over for Kelsey uh, because he's getting uh, up there in years at the center position. But that they have devoted a lot of resources to the offensive line. And that's the only thing that keeps me from wondering, from thinking maybe – we won't spend resources on offensive linemen and instead polls will want to create lots well, of, Well, you got to get lucky and they got lucky. Like the, uh, there's the Australian kid who's playing, what's his name? Mata Olo or something. Like yeah. That. He's got a weird name. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He, he's from New Zealand or Australia mm-hmm. and he was a, either a late round pick or an undrafted free agent who really had never played football, mm-hmm. but was a freak athlete. And this guy's about, 350 pounds, but moves around like he's, you know, 285. Mm -hmm. And once he learned the game, took a little while for him to learn the game, a couple years, you know, the guy's just awesome. Mm -hmm. And you're right. And Lane, who's who's the uh, uh, right tackle, he was drafted when I was there as a consultant in the 2013 draft. He was a first-round pick. you know, and he was drafted to play left tackle, but they had Jason Peters mm. at that time, and then he was going to eventually replace Jason Peters. But they, they, you know, Peters, he, shit, he's still playing. He's forty years old, forty-one years old, um, and and Lane's turned into one of the the better right tackles in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they've had quality people. They've had the same center forever, <laughs> and he's an undersized guy. He's only like two hundred eighty-five, two hundred ninety pounds. You know, he's a lot smaller than, than some of the center, but really strong, very, very smart, knows how to use his hands, uh, knows is a very good leverage player, and, and their guards are always good. So, uh, and, and they got a great line coach. They've had the same line coach going back, uh, you know, t- 13 was his first year. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he's one of the better ones in the business. J2K says that this is a really good year for uh, centers in this draft. Uh, I w- he writes, I would love us to draft one, but my gut tells me polls will not. Uh, this is. I, well, okay, I, let me ask. I'm, I'll ask him a question. Where are you going to take the center and versus what other need? <laughs> that, that's the thing. There's so many needs. <laughs> there are, and I agree with him. There are a bunch of good centers, mm-hmm. and the best one is from Flossmore. Oh, from um, he's from University of Minnesota, but uh, he's from down, from, you know, Homewood, Flossmore area. John John Michael Schmitz. Schmitz. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a son of a bitch now. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> he's got that nasty disposition that we all love to see out of our centers because that's what how Olin Cruz. A little older, he's he'll be a twenty-four year old rookie, and uh, the kid at Michigan's pretty damn good. They are they're a bunch of centers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there'll be probably a half a dozen drafted, maybe more. 
J2K says target a center in the fourth round. We have two picks there. So in a fourth round, you're looking at guys like uh, Joe Titman from Wisconsin, uh, Brett Nealon from USC, maybe Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. Uh, highly unlikely the kid from Michigan who Tony the Podboss thinks is the best center out there. I won't even attempt to pronounce his name, but highly unlikely. I don't have his name right in front of me, but yeah, Ola Timmy. Yeah. But he he he's a transfer grad transfer for the University of Virginia. Mm, okay, but I, I, those centers, man, that are very appealing, very appealing. And boy, I forgot who was it that said, you know, that in this polls scheme, you draft offensive linemen and you go left guard, center, right guard in order of 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 preference or need or whatever. Uh, your thoughts on that? It, do you? Do you build from the inside of the offensive line out? Um, I'd always take a tackle over a, a inside player. Mm -hmm. But if if I have my tackles, then yeah, then I'd go an inside player. Now it depends. I, I mean, it, it, it's all relative, although in that who you're looking at versus who. Yeah. Sure. You know, so it, it comes, and, and a lot of times. Some of your guys, um, Roger Saffold, who's been playing forever, he's the left guard for the Bills now. He was drafted to be a tackle, started off as a tackle, mm -hmm. and then got moved inside. There's a lot of guys that are really good guards that were tackles in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cody Whitehair, another another example. Yeah. And there's a lot of centers that were guards mm -hmm. in college that you just you know you change the position. Mm -hmm. Well, for for a, a quarterback like Justin Fields, um, who is who utilizes his legs and his mobility so well, do you need offensive linemen with special traits for a quarterback like that, as opposed to a traditional drop back quarterback like Brock Purdy, for instance? No, it gets down to what your blocking scheme, and in this particular blocking scheme. Go, go back to last year, and Juan Castillo was the offensive line coach. You know the, the type of system he was teaching. You know he he wanted he wanted girth. He wanted big guys. Mm -hmm. You know he wanted guys up three thirty, three forty. You know, like he he uh, Borum. Give you an example. Borum was three fifty when he played at Missouri. Mm -hmm. Dropped down to about three. 30 something for the combine. Then 320, I think, is what he was when he got to camp. And I, I remember that, uh, you know, the coach says, he's too small. I got to get him back up to about 335 because that's what he wanted. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to play those guys, unless they're extremely athletic, aren't going to play in this system. Look at the guys that they drafted, all of them. Every single guy broke five flat in the 40. Wow. You know, of, of, of the three offensive linemen that, that they drafted, they, they're very, very athletic guys. And, so, and, and the reason they, they're doing that is because of the scheme they're playing. Mm -hmm. And they got to play out in space. So you're, you're doing it with a little smaller, more athletic guy. doesn't take away from the fact that you still got to be strong. Mm -hmm. But you want guys who can play in space. 
Have you had a chance to take a look at Blake Freeman, the kid from BYU, uh, the right big right tackle? No, I haven't looked at him yet. Yeah, I keep hearing good things about him. Tony, the pod boss, uh, obviously likes him. So we'll be uh, taking uh, if, if he went to BYU, how old is he, 27? <laughs> I'm not making fun of you, Tony. Don't worry. But, I, you know, most kids who come out of BYU are a little bit older. Because they, they, you know, they go on a mission. Yep, that is very true. Richard Long must be as old as I am because he is uh, reminding us that Jim Finks built that Super Bowl championship team from the 80s with first-round offensive linemen. Uh, things have changed in the NFL, but I think that's still a good philosophy. I, I adhere I, to I'm always going to get the grunts first. But I, I go back, though, but what's more important right now, I think there's some, some good young players on the offensive line. They just got to develop and learn mm -hmm. how to play. See, a lot of fans, they, they see what they see, and I'm, I'm trying to say this the right way without criticizing because I'm not. They want instant gratification. Sure. Okay? So if he doesn't play good today, he stinks, and he's going to stink forever. Mm -hmm. But that's not the way it works. Mm -hmm. you got to develop these players. Mm -hmm. And do they have – and I use the word traits a lot. Do they have the traits to become a good player? And Braxton Jones is a perfect example. J. Tyree Carter is another example. He's a big mammoth, 315-pound guy with real long arms that rub, runs a sub-five flat, is athletic as hell. Remember, point guard in, in high school. And he just got to learn. You know, he played in the SWAC. Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. like he played in the SEC. He's got to learn how to play, you know, how, how NFL linemen play, mm -hmm. and then you might have a gem. I don't think anybody thought, I don't think the Bears thought, that they were going to get out of Braxton Jones what they got. Yeah. You well, know, and it's just that he, he's a smart kid, and he took that jump a lot quicker than normal. And, and go back, and we've talked about this before in a conversation I had with Marv Levy. You know, he said, I don't expect anything out of a rookie. He said, anything I get from a rookie is a bonus. He goes, but I expect a hell of a lot in year two. Mm -hmm. They've been around. They've adjusted to being a pro. They've been through the system. They understand the system. Now go out and play. There you go. Um, somebody in the chat room. Oh, <laughs> Tony, the pod boss, says that Blake Freeman from BYU probably has a 12-year-old kid. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, that is hilarious. And then he goes on to ask, uh, Greg, what grade would you give Poe's lineman in the draft overall? He clearly hit on Braxton. But what about those other guys? And I'll put that graphic back up. Of the offensive line, uh, you know, incomplete. Yeah, incomplete. because well, you lost the one guy that they, I think they liked, but they got he got poached off the practice squad. Was the kid from San Diego State, oh, Adams? Right, and uh, he's playing for the Rams now. So, Jeez. and I thought he was going to be a, a, a good player, but in all honesty, comparing him to Carter, mm -hmm. I like the traits of Carter, the upside. Mm -hmm. I like Carter's upside. I'm not, I, I've never been a huge fan of Kramer, but he played a lot better in the preseason than I thought he would. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, looking at Illinois tape last year, he was on the ground a little bit too much for my liking. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you can't play that position on the ground. I call those guys groundhogs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but, uh, uh, but they also got him late, you know, 
I think they got a chance to get it. We'll put it this way. If if Braxton Jones becomes what I think he is, it's an automatic A because they got all these guys in day three. How about that? Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree with that. And Cornelius asks, what do you think about Kellen Deesh, who was signed by the Bears on September 1st? Uh, he was an undrafted free agent. He's 25 years old. Uh, and he he's got 32-inch arms. Not good. No, that that bothers me, and I and I I'm prejudiced on that. But <laughs> there's I might be 32 and a quarter, but I know there for a guy that's that tall, he's got really short arms. Do you know how many starting tackles there are on the National Football League that arm length is less than 33? Like maybe two, right? One. One. Okay. Who who is that again? It's Smith, the right tackle for uh, the Colts, and he was drafted to play guard. Mm. I was watching highlights of Roger McCreary last night, that short-armed cornerback, and thinking about uh, the discussions you've had with Jordan about uh, guys with short arms. And uh, McCreary still has a long way to go, but he isn't having a terrible season. Is uh, or isn't? He isn't. Uh, actually, no, I, I just don't think he's ever going to be great because, you know, show me a guy in the league that's really had success at that position with arms that short. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it, it's funny that you say that because yesterday uh, he had a sure interception. If his arms would have been another <laughs> inch or two longer. Well, hell, they're only like 29 inches or something like that. <laughs> exactly. 28 and three quarters. Uh, Robbie and a bunch of other people want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Uh, oh, thank, thank you. Robbie. Same to you guys. Uh, okay. And I had another question here. Oh, no, I, I lost it. But uh, all right. Uh, Anything else regarding this offensive line that you'd like to share with us in terms of the players we already have or what we might be seeing in the offseason in terms of strategy or anything that comes to mind that you'd like well, to play? I mean, it, it goes it, – it includes offense or defense. But, you know, we start seeing things. Everybody starts – I want to see the Bears draft this. I want to see them draft that. Well, can't say it enough. The draft and free agency go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What they're going to do in the draft is going to be a d- direct reflection on what they did in free agency. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if they go out, let's say they sign a an edge player, or rather a defensive tackle and a right tackle in free agency. Say that's two of their big money players in, in uh, free agency. Well, Chances are, unless he's taken, they'd go Will Anderson if they're still picking two. Now, that's assuming that Houston picking one doesn't, and that's a big if. Everybody thinks that Houston might take a quarterback, and they need a quarterback, but they also got another one. Mm -hmm. And so they could use that other one to either move up to take a quarterback or whatever. So they might take who they deem as the best player. They could take Carter. Some, you know, because he's a big three technique. And somebody said to me last night to tweet, well, what do you think Lovey will go for? And I go, well, Lovey's not going to have any say in it. It's all going to be Nick Casario. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, another uh, a writer, beat writer here, you know, he said, well, that's assuming Lovey still has a job. You know, he could be one and done. And I said, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I said, but is Nick Casario going to get away with firing two minority coaches after one year. Ooh, 
that would he'd, he'd get a lot of crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I just don't see it happening. Mm. I mean, he brought in Cully last year. Mm-hmm. Cully's one and done. He elevates Lovey, and if he got, even though they've only won one game, if he got rid of Lovey after one year, you know, I just don't think that would sit well with a lot of people. First of all, who the hell is he going to hire? Mm-hmm. Who's going to go there? Yeah, think me. I got one year to prove myself. And the guy who puts together the, the, the roster is the guy doing the hiring and the firing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, a sticky, sticky situation there for sure. Got some good questions here. Another one regarding the offensive line. Dented Fender just submitted this one. He says, are practice squad offensive linemen able to work on their technique during the season? Well, they can do what is done in practice. Now, they can, you know, after practice, they can – stay outside after or in the bubble after and, and do stuff. They, you're only allowed a certain amount of padded practices. Mm-hmm. So they can't have pads on unless it's a padded practice, but are they allowed? Of course they're allowed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of times they do it pre and post practice, mm-hmm. depending on, you know, what, what they're doing in practice, what, what, because that it's during individual and individuals, maybe 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's during individual that you work on that stuff. Are you a believer of mental reps? Not on the offensive line. No. I mean, no, no, on the offensive line, I think. See, this is what I, I don't like about the CBA. They took away a lot of the padded practices. Yeah. And so I think that's – and I get it for, for veteran players. Mm-hmm. Totally understand it. But I think you should have a little sidebar to that. And that with your practice squad guys and young guys, that you can have them do like one on ones, mm-hmm. things like that, where they're going to work on their technique, where it's got to be somewhat live. Now, I, I'll tell you, I, you can get away with doing without pads on because you always got a helmet on. Mm-hmm. You got what they call shells on there, like a like a half ass shoulder pad and, and a helmet. These other days, you can work on pass rushing and pass blocking in those situations so you could do it after it's just you know not as safe say as if you had your full gear on not as safe you mean it's it's not as productive right well no i'm gonna say safe because you're not fully protected gotcha you know the player you know he he doesn't have as much padding he's got his helmet but you know a lot of times it's using your hands Mm mm-hmm you know, okay. but still, you know, you're going against a, a behemoth defensive lineman, and you know that guy could be could run you right over. Mm-hmm. Tony asks, uh, should there be an NFL practice squad jamboree to help those guys get better during the season? And I, I was actually thinking the same thing as Greg was responding to this question. It, it seems like the CBA. And NFL owners should establish something where they are really helping these players, these third, fourth tier p- players, to see if they can develop skills that will get them to the second or third. The, the CBA favors veteran players. Everything in it is for the vet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and it really hurts the young developing player. Mm-hmm. But who's the union care about? They don't care about the young developing player. They care about the vets. Yeah. And so it, it it's 
you put together all these rules uh, in, in the CBA that really prevent development. Mm -hmm. So you got to find your way to work around it. And, and yeah, you can have all these things, these jamborees and everything. Now, I'll tell you what the ideal thing to do with some of these guys would be. And like what, what, when I was working in New York and, and here, for the most part here, not the whole time, is we had NFL Europe. <laughs> and you could send guys over to NFL Europe yeah. to play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they should work out. An, and when I was working in the XFL, you know, I'd be talking to NFL execs. We wanted to have some sort of agreement. But then the pandemic came along and, and kind of screwed things up. Mm -hmm. But where the NFL could send us some young guys. So they and our season is early enough. You know, it's over in May. So they still got time to rest. Yeah. You know, before where the, the XFL start or the USFL starts later. Hell, they're done in June. There's no, there's like three weeks between their, their championship game and the NFL, the start of NFL camps where ours was two months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there needs to be a whole level of rethinking and redesigning uh, the off season programs that would in a way that would benefit some of these new players to the league so that you can have a pipeline of qualified players to come in when there's injuries to, to the veterans. Um, what the answer is to that can be debated for, for hours. Well, or it's, just, it, it's, if, if you're going to ask that you need to do it, they're not going to do it. Hmm. It's just not going to happen. I mean, they, they've restricted it. When I was working for the giants and even when I started here, but here was a little later, our, the off-season program started in the end of February. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, now when's it start? It starts like two weeks before the draft, mm -hmm. week before the draft. And it's like six weeks long. You know, so you, you're expecting your, your players to do it on their own, and most of them will. If they don't, they shouldn't be playing because they don't have that, that will to be a great player. Don Burr, our resident uh, Detroit Lions fan, uh, wanted to get a comment from you on the Lions' offensive line and just how great they are. And I have to agree with him. That is a damn good offensive line. Well, they got they, they got a bunch of high picks sitting on that one. <laughs> That's right. And one of them is a good pass catcher. <laughs> Did you see that replay of Penay Sewell catching a pass on fourth? Well, no, Sewell's an athletic guy. Oh, Another guy was a left tackle in, in college that's playing right tackle. Mm-hmm. It was a really entertaining play. It was in motion, and, and nobody followed them because they were all, who's that I, fat guy I, in motion? I hate, I hate Detroit. <laughs> you hear that, Don? <laughs> Not their cars, though, right? You like their cars. <laughs> well, I don't know if their cars are that good anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> we tell it like it is here. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tony DePodboss with another great question. Do you think the Bears should draft or sign a better blocking tight end to assist the offensive line? It's funny because I've been doing mock drafts as my way of getting acquainted with uh, some of the players in this draft. And there are some really good uh, uh, blocking tight ends available in this draft. Uh, there's probably a few. I don't have any off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. I know I've done a few that can't. And put it this way. If a guy can block, he's worth his weight as gold. But they, they sign that guy off the Jets practice squad. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, 
and, and that guy's pretty damn good blocker. In fact, that, that's what his job is. Mm-hmm. He's a freaking blocker. Mm-hmm. And Cole Komet's a pretty good blocker. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we can't complain about the crowd game. Hell, they're, they're, they're running 175 yards a green. <laughs> that's right. you know, so the, the tight ends are, are doing a good job blocking. Uh, you know, if you're saying, well, you get a, a, a big Y and then you get Cole Komet and line him up outside, um, you know, that's not what Cole Komet's role is. Right. He's not that move tight end. Right. He's a Y, and he can be very, very effective as a Y. Mm-hmm. Tony points out Darnell Washington from Georgia. Yeah, he's a he's a big guy. He's he's like almost six seven and two hundred seventy. But right? I think I think Washington's going to be a move guy when he gets into the league. Yeah, he's like a power forward. Okay, interesting. Kennard from Utah is a great tight end, but uh, he's probably going to go into the second round. I don't know if the Bears are going to invest in him. Utah's got two good tight ends. Yeah. All right. uh, Let's see what else we got here in terms of questions. Uh, Dented Fender asked, are you in favor of increasing the roster size? Because I've been a proponent of this. I don't know why the practice squad players aren't allowed to suit up on game day. What, they don't have enough lockers? (laughs) What's going on? Well, they're not, they're not getting paid a full salary. Oh, that's right. It's always about the money. <laughs> they, they, they're getting paid, what, $7,500 a week. Now, you could, th- that's the minimum. You can pay them more. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, whatever the – I don't know what the figure is anymore because it goes up every year. Mm-hmm. But they're making them 200 if, if they're there for the full season, they're making 200 and some thousand dollars I think. Which you know isn't a bad hunk of change. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll take it, um, but they're still not, you know, full time players. They're practice players. Yeah. But I'd like to be a, a, the argument against, um, and they should be able to do it because you can do those call ups. Is if you got fifty three men on the roster, dress all fifty three, and then the argument is, well, yeah, but. Team B might have only 49 healthy or 50 healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, then bring up a couple guys for the practice squad. You're, you know, your standard elevations for the, for the game, for the week. Mm-hmm. So you got as close to a, you know, a, a perfect roster as, as you can. If you don't have one, so be it. Hmm. If, you can't, if you can't play with 50 guys, you got a problem. <laughs> True. <laughs> I uh, grew up in the days of 40 man rosters. Uh, how about 36? Really? Whoa. <laughs> Jeez. That's when you had two way, a lot of two way players, right? Oh, no. But I think that's what, you know, back in the old AFL days and stuff. And then 36 man rosters. Mm. Um, Ravi, getting back to this topic of, of, mental reps ravi added to that with this question thought would virtual reality training help offensive linemen because we've seen that a lot when trubisky was here in uh, with the bears he did a lot of that virtual reality stuff and he claimed that it helped him um didn't help him yesterday in Pittsburgh when he threw three interceptions but uh, that's a different story i saw two of them i didn't see the third yeah the third one was just as bad as the other ones <laughs> How about Roquan got one of them? He got yeah. number two. Oh, my gosh. And uh, Roquan had a nice game yesterday. Well, yeah. What do you think about this technology of virtual reality? you think that can help offensive linemen perfect their skills? Um, 
Not really. I, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm not downplaying. I, I think we're quarterback. It could be really good, mm-hmm. but offensive lineman is about, you know, well, first of all, you got to have the natural traits and, and part of that is flexibility. You know, if you can't bend your knees, you know, you might get by for a year, mm. but it's going to catch up to you because you just don't have the flexibility. So mm. you've got to have flexibility in your body. You've got to have the size. You've got to have the girth. You've got to have the power. And, and your power is in your lower body, which means you've got to have, you know, be strong through the, your hips and thighs. Uh, obviously strong in the upper body, too. You've got to be able to use your hands. Well, none of that is going to come about in, in some sort of virtual setting. So it, it, it's a lot of work that you got to do on your own uh, or, or even with a coach during the off season, as far as getting, you know, your footwork, right. Your sets, right. Um, you know, your, your stance, right. How you, what's the, what's the word I want? The, um, your posture. Okay. Right. You know, because remember saying um, Leatherwood is bent like this and you want them more like this and, and learn to keep your hands. You want to punch from the inside out. There's a lot of guys you see with their hands out like this. Oh, boy. You know, and, and, and in fact, reminds me of a story we we're watching. This is when I was working with Jerry and, and we're watching offensive linemen. And there was a guard. No, it was a, a tackle we were watching. And on every play, he'd set, and his hands were out like this. And then he'd bring and and he goes, doesn't know how to use his hands. Mm-hmm. And it's like that one play you said. I said, no, look at his left foot tripped over the right foot of the other guy. Yeah. You got to look for the other thing. I said, Jerry, look at everybody else in the line. Every single guy was doing that, all five of them. So they're being coached wrong. Right. It's, you know, so it's like, what the hell is the guy teaching them? So now if you got your hands like this at the start, right away you're exposing your chest to a defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. And that means he's going to rule you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I noticed about uh, Leatherwood's Raiders tape is that a lot of times he had his hands low. So when you get up out of that stance, do you want your hands like around? Yeah, you want to be ready to hit. you got to have him, right. you know, in, in position. Like you don't want a guy who's got his hand and I, my camera – isn't wide enough angle to to show, but you don't want a guy have to go like this and then go like that. It takes right. too much time. Right. You got to be concise that you're yeah. coming out of your stance and you're punching. Yeah, and you want to punch right in here, and you get your thumbs up underneath the pads in here, and you hold the shit out of them. And you're not going to get called if you do it inside like that. It's just if he turns and try to turn away, then they'll call you. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, okay. Some more questions here. Uh, Jimmy has an interesting question because I know you've done some research into this. He says, what would you trade as compensation for the overall third pick? So let's say right now the bears, if the season ended, they'd have the third pick in the draft. What do you think would be a good return uh, on that third overall pick? Why? Well, as I said, off the air, I went through going back to 2014 on all the trades Mm-hmm. And first of all, before you can have a trade, and, and this is what people got to get in their mind. Oh, yeah, we got to trade the pick. You're going to make a fortune on picks. You've got to have a partner. You have to have a buyer. 
There's got to be somebody who wants to move up to get somebody. And usually it's a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And right now, you can't tell, you can tell me who probably the top three quarterbacks are, but I can guarantee you that we can go to every team in the league and say, who's your top three? And the order is going to be different mm-hmm. by all of them. There's no consensus top quarterback. Okay. I, I think from a lot of people that Stroud would be number three, but number one could be young with some people and could be Levis with other people. And there, Stroud might be number one for, for a couple teams, mm-hmm. but you know, it's Levis is, is kind of like the Trey Lance thing. It's what we think he can be that he, you know, you put Levis at Alabama or you put Levis at, at Ohio state, what kind of numbers would he put up with that supporting cast versus what he had at Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, and then you look at young and, and the downside on young is that he's got marginal size. Mm-hmm. And and like Kyler Murray's not even five foot ten. I guess he's listed at five ten, but he might not be that tall. But he's a pretty stocky guy. Mm-hmm. Where Young is pretty small. He's probably one hundred and ninety pounds, Ooh. and and five eleven and a half. Um, you know, so is he gonna survive? So it, it, until happen, like at this time of the year, so. First week of December, a couple years ago, were you hearing that Trey Lance was going to go in the top three? No. <laughs> okay. So, and I was having a conversation with a guy the other day about this. When the coaches start getting involved, and the coaches won't start getting involved until January, end of January when the All-Star Games are, or in February. Mm-hmm. And, and when the coaches start getting involved, then some of these love affairs start coming about. And we also got to know <laughs> what the draft order is. Mm-hmm. The teams with the need, where are they going to be picking? Now, Houston has a need. They're more than likely going to be picking number one, but they do have a second number one. So if I'm Nick Casario, what do I do? Take the best player? at number one and then try to maybe move up with the other one mm-hmm. or wait with my other one to get the quarterback. You know, it, it, you, you don't know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And so in, until you have, and, and it's going to be what three months before we know that stuff. Right. So you can, you know, you can sit here and play fantasy football all you want, but and, until some hot names I don't think there's a consensus, even if you, it, 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 regardless of the position, there is no consensus number one pick in this draft. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some people might say it's Jalen Carter. Some people might say it's Will Anderson. Some people might say it's Young. You know, so who is it? <laughs> and, so, and that works its way down. And there have been years when there's been no trades at all in the top 10. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> And then you just got to, you know, you hope to trade down, but you got to just take, take the best guy then. All right. Let's get a couple more questions uh, out of the way here. Um, 
what you mentioned this maybe three, four shows ago, and I was trying to remember what it was you said about Brian Brissy. Brissy is Bra it? Bracy, I think they say. I, I think that you said you, you weren't uh, that enough. No, I, I like, I don't think you can play the three. Okay. okay. Or I'm not, I'll put it this way I'm not sold he can be a three. Okay. Okay. Now, if you put him at the other defensive tackle, he's going to be damn good. Okay. And you got to have two. So there's nothing wrong with, with doing that. But in this scheme, the three is the key guy. Mm -hmm. But if you get a real good under tackle, does that make Jones that much better? Or do you go out and, and you know, let, I, I, I think they're going to, my own thinking is they're going to go out and try to sign somebody in free agency. That's going to be the number one priority. But, and there's guys out there you can sign. They're going to be playing against one of them on the kid from Philadelphia on, on Saturday, mm -hmm. who is a bitch. And he's probably the best guy, but he's going to be 30. So do you want to pay that guy all the money that he deserves and he's going to be 30? Hmm. Okay, so then um, the next guy, in my opinion, would be Payne. Deron Payne. Right. And, and the other defensive tackles already making about 18 a year. Mm -hmm. And he's like a year ahead of them or maybe right. two years of them. And so he's going to want at least that. Exactly. Okay. Can Washington do that? Or are they going to put the tag on him? Can they afford to put the tag on him? Mm -hmm. You know, so then and, until you find out who's going to be, um, and I keep forgetting the guy's name at Denver. Um, good player, Ohio State player, uh, and defensive lineman. Yeah, let's call it up. I know people in the chat are probably already typing names, but uh, Broncos roster plays a five for them. The uh, Draymond Jones, yes, Draymond Jones. Thank you, guys. Draymond Jones is. A very good player for this scheme. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, there's guys out there. I think there's one other one too. There, there's some guys out there that, if they do in fact hit free agency, and the Bears got a shitload of money, mm -hmm. if, if they really want these guys, they got they got the cash to do it. But like in the case of Deron Payne, it's going to cost you eighteen, nineteen a year to get them. Yep. Which is approximately what they offered uh, Ogan Joby, if I recall correctly. Uh, it was more like 14 or something like that. Okay. It was 45, 43 and a half over three, something like that. Okay. That, uh, that so it's gonna it, it, it's gonna be more than that. And by the way, he's a free he's a free agent too. Oh, okay. That's right. He is because he signed a one year deal. He signed a one year deal, and I and in all honesty, I haven't watched how he played. I know he he had an ankle injury or something, and I don't know if it's the same foot. But he had um, – the problem he had was he had that uh, Liz Frank injury that wasn't healed. And I guess it was a bad Liz Frank, and so the doctors wouldn't pass him. And I think they thought that was – they were skeptical if he could get a full season out of him, he was going to miss a lot of time. And so at that point now, could they have re-looked at, like, you know, six weeks later and see how quickly it heals? Yeah, that would have, but by that by that time it would have been too late. 
And then, you know, if you're sitting waiting on a big contract like that, you got to, you know, shoot or get off the pot on a situation like that. Indeed. It's too bad you can't bring the guy in and give him physical first, mm-hmm. but you can't. That's not the rules. Mm. Um, good question here from J2K again. He says, I like to know how we upgrade the wide receiver room. Wide receiver free agency sucks, and a late second round pick could help, but rookie wide receivers take time. Who do we resign and who do we target? We can devote an entire show to this. But off the top of your head, do you think that it's possible that um, the Bears could draft a wide receiver early if it's one of these wide receivers that you 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 think could be a plug and play guy? I personally don't think they draft a guy before the fourth round. A wide receiver because of the yeah. capital acquisition. Yeah, that, that's your second round. <laughs> so they've already used a second round pick. Exactly. Um, I, I think, you know, you noticed how, like last game, they were spreading the ball around. And, and you took away, you know, Mooney was out. So Fields was forced into spreading it around a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of focusing on, on Mooney and – Guys are getting more targets. And and I know there's people concerned about Claypool. I'm not concerned in the lead, least because I know how difficult it is for, to learn the system. Mm-hmm. And once you get acclimated to the system, you know, he'll be fine. And he got probably his most snaps and his most productive game in, in the last game. So I think in these last four games, hopefully the weather will be decent enough that they can – you know, throw the ball, even though they're, they're playing some damn good teams down. The next two games are Philadelphia and Buffalo. So two uh, teams, it, I wouldn't be surprised if they're playing the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it really, you're right. It very well could be that in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it'd be nice to see what those, what these receivers do in these final games it, assuming that that Justin still stays healthy, and then you're gonna, you know, because they're really it's only been what three weeks that they've been healthy, the mm-hmm. whole group, and and so then you're gonna really get a better idea of what they can do, you know, and and you know you don't want to make and, until you get all the information you don't want to, um you know, make a firm decision. And and what's in free agency today, there may be more tomorrow yeah. because there's going to be guys that teams got to cut because of their contract or whatever, and they're going to be available and they're not going to, and if that's the case, they're not going to count against the, uh, you know, as far as the uh, formula for, for, uh, compensation picks and regardless the bears aren't going to get a comp pick this year you know next year with all that money to spend mm-hmm. there's no chance they're getting a comp pick no so, way. <laughs> so but still there, there there could be a bunch of guys out there that that aren't on the street now or not scheduled to be on the street now mm-hmm. that we haven't even heard of yet indeed okay, uh, i'll give you what one name that signed just a one year contract and i would, wouldn't have minded that if Bears went after him before, but he's having a great year in Kansas City. It's Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. He's having a hell of a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and they got him relatively cheap. Yeah. 
and, and studying what the Eagles have done to turn that franchise around so quickly, that was part of the deal. They brought in a lot of wide receivers. And, uh, I mean, they've got great depth at that wide receiver position and, and great depth on, at that offensive line position. And that, that's really helped Jalen Hurts a lot. But I think everyone is in agreement that, first and foremost, what this Chicago Bears team needs is a defensive line because the, none of the four starting defensive linemen should be starting next season. So they got to overhaul. Well, I, I, I'm going to argue that, that Jones isn't all that bad, but there's nothing else there. Yeah, I like uh, it. And, and I'm not so sure he's really the, the three that maybe he should be playing the under and the other guy and, and bring in a three. And, and if you can get a couple good edge players in free agency – then and and Houston bypasses Carter. Hell, I'd take Carter second mm-hmm. if if you still have that number two pick. But I'm in all honesty, shit. I'm hoping they pick five or six. I I want to see them win a couple games. Yeah, um, I'm beginning, just for the just for the feel good. Yeah, I'm beginning. I'm beginning to feel that way too. I'd love to have you know a high draft picks where you could then acquire a lot of uh, other. Why is Tony not putting Tony? Explain why aren't you putting Juju and Claypool in the same locker room? Oh, because they would shoot these videos that they would put up on that app called TikTok, Connor. and so they were there was that a Chinese lot. that Chinese. Chinese owned app, yes. <laughs> Where they collect all your information and then send you all sorts of junk mail. That's the one. <laughs> well, they've already been teammates. I don't know if they got along or not. I didn't pay any attention to it, but they've been teammates. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think this will be the last question. So we got to get out of here. Uh, Richard Long says Is Eberflus hurting development by judging players? solely on practice performance when you can't hit in practice and gamers can be missed. Uh, I don't agree with Richard on that because you play how you practice. Mm -hmm. It's been a proven fact. And now granted you can't hit, but it's paying attention to detail. Mm -hmm. And with pro coaches, the mental is very, very important. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be able to trust a guy and trust that he's not going to make a mistake. And so, yeah, practice is important. Yeah. I, I, I You know what? I go back to, you know, like we're talking about Leatherwood. Mm-hmm. You got to make him earn it. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, Fluce is old school like that. Mm-hmm. You want to play on Sunday? You got to earn it. And I, I have no problem with that. You know what? I don't want to hand anybody anything. I, you know, the coaches I played for, that's the way they were. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, uh, practice is t- way too important. The greatest athlete that I ever saw play any sport is Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan played as hard in practice as he did in games. And he would uh, annihilate his his teammates, if they didn't practice hard as well. And that to me is a, is a life lesson, you know, and anything that you do, uh, whether it's game time or not game time, preparing for game time, you've got to go all out. And, uh, but, and, and, and Richard might be right. You know, there, there are certain players that are not practice players. And so you may be missing out on something, but I'd rather, I'd rather trust the guy that's a playing better in practice. Well, here, here, here's the thing, the, the caveat to that. And that's, and this goes back to when I worked for Parcells. 
is this is Flus's first year here. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't know these players. And he's they're learning him and he's learning about them. And he's learning who he can trust and who he can't trust. Next year, he's going to know a lot more about these guys than he does this year. And the following year, even more. And he's going to know who he can trust and who, you know, who's like. Perfect example. Lawrence, awful practice player. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But come Sunday, that's how bitch lit it up now. (laughs) And, I mean, there there were practices where, you know, he came in with a shirt and underneath his – the shirt was was his hands and handcuffs, and <laughs> you know, and, and and I'm not lying now, and and he might have been out all night the night before, but you come think? come Sunday, it's 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 a different different matter. I think we got another commercial there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, this week's game against the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm not even going to ask you to predict because no, if you were <laughs> Philadelphia is really good. They can like, you know, they they can just about lock up home field I think after mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. And the other obvious question is, you know, what would you like to see? And so you clearly you want to see improvement as much as possible, right? But is there one particular position area against this Eagles team which is loaded with talent that you'd love to see? These guys continue. By the way, uh, Brisker and Gordon are off concussion protocol. Yeah, they're going to play. I'm almost disappointed. I would like to have seen that young group of uh, of uh, defensive backs go at it again. But at the same time, you know, maybe maybe we'd be pushing our luck to send them out there two straight weeks and expect the similar performances against the Packers. No, I, I, the, the group that's got to step forward, uh, they're not likely to do so, is the D-line. Yeah. They're playing against perhaps the best offensive line in football. Yeah. And, you know, Jalen Hurts and those running backs are going to have their way with this defense unless that line picks it up. Mm-hmm. What, um, oh, darn. Uh, the thought just left me. Um, it's it, called, that's called dementia and you're getting old. Oh, my goodness. You ain't kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it happens three, four times a day now. I know. Uh, so, uh, but in, in terms of uh, this defensive line, oh, I remember. Is, is there anything that Alan Williams can do from a schematic standpoint that could help uh, a, a, a pass yeah. rush against uh, Jalen Hurts? Or, or are they just going to play shell because they're, we're going to be worried about Jalen Hurts running up and down the field? Well, you got to worry about him making plays with his feet. He, he's not Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. But he's pretty good. In fact, I think a, a, a good guy to watch in this game is Jalen Hurts. Because Jalen Hurts, number one, he wasn't the first, he was the two, but there was questions about him. Right. Now he gets he gets beat out. Go back to when he was at Alabama. He gets beat out by Tua. And so he transfers, goes to Oklahoma, plays in that that pass happy offense in Oklahoma. And puts up some real good numbers. Still, though, it doesn't overcome that he lost his job at Alabama to Tua. Mm-hmm. And he goes in the second round, but he's an athletic guy who had arm talent. Accuracy was a question, especially going back to his, his Alabama years. But he's 
developed. But when's the year that it really took off? Mm-hmm. This year. And what year is this year? His third year. Right. Okay. Go back to Josh Allen. And I've said this too. When did Josh Allen take off? His third year. Yeah. You know, another guy. Who, and Josh Allen, terrible with accuracy. He was a 55% pass completion percentage guy in college at the University of Wyoming, which is horrible. Absolutely horrible, especially in that offense. So I, I think that, you know, we, we, we've seen Justin come a long way this year. And I, I thought in the last game, except for the, the interception, he, he probably had his best passing game as a bear mm-hmm. and he was getting the ball out of his hand quick. So I, I think that that, um, you know, that's continuing to – he's continuing to grow, and he's going to continue to grow as long as he stays healthy. Um, but, you know, we got to get some more players around him. And, and really, the, the players – the offense is playing good enough to win games right now. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can blame the defense or the offensive line all you want. But I mean, like five games in a row, they put up over twenty-five points or something like that. And and you know, you, you put up that many points, you should win. But the defense has got to start stopping some people, and they're not going to stop do it this week. And the Jurors out there are going to do it next week against Buffalo. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a fascinating game. Um, do you do you anticipate that we'll see more run design plays for Jordan Fields than we did? a week ago against green Bay. He's got the, he had the bye week to get that shoulder even stronger. No, I think it's going to be what's there. He's going to do and He's going to hit the, hit the ground and, and try not to take the big hit. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it'll be, there's going to be plays, but it's not going to be the number we saw a month ago. Mm. Interesting. I, I think they, they just got to protect him a little bit until he, you know, he gets through the off season on that. That's my own thinking. Could I be wrong? Sure, he could carry the ball twenty times. Yeah, I doubt that'll happen because they. I, I secretly think that they're looking forward to losing. Although, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. No, nope. They never. That's out of their yeah DNA. They're not looking forward to losing. I, I just, I just believe that Ryan Poles would love to have that second or third overall draft pick. Uh, he would he'd love to win, but I know. I know deep in my heart that he wants more draft assets and you you're right when you say you got to have a draft partner or trade partner but if you've got that uh second or third well, role, you got yeah you got the pick at least it it gives you the maybe the opportunity to trade back mm-hmm. but again there's got to be people the teams want to go up and get Yep. and willing to pay a lot. And and the price will be high. To get to number two, you pay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, <laughs> but unless some, some names start to jump out over the next few months that people really want, you know, it's, it's, it's a pipe dream right now. It's, it's, it's not a reality until you really know what's going on. Right. 
This, this, I think J2K better captures my thinking. Poles really doesn't need to tank the lack, the lack of talent on the team will do that for him. And I think that that was what Poles did. He designed it when you trade away Khalil Mack, uh, Robert Quinn, and Roquan Smith, it's by design that you're uh, uh, reducing the chances of victory because you're setting up for 2023 and beyond. Yeah, and, and I don't disagree with you, although when you listen to uh, Flus talk in his pressers, he's, he's always accentuating the positives mm-hmm. and work on technique and this and that and how to improve your game and the little things that you need to develop in order to become a winner. And he never hits on the negatives. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. He did it again today, although he won. I know. I, he did it again. He, he was honest about the, the Claypool situation, saying he still needs to learn this playbook. Uh, I'm paraphrasing how he said it, but he, he still has a ways to go to learn the playbook, which is, of course, reasonable uh, to be acquired in the middle of the season. You're not going to pick up the entire playbook, so it's going to take some time. But no, I, I, I told you what I was told the day they made the trade mm-hmm. from somebody who's been in this offense for eight years. It'll be next year before he's real comfortable in this. Yep. That's when we will see Claypool being Chase Claypool, the guy I desired for the Bears to draft when he came out. Uh, Instead, the Bears picked Cole Komet, and there is no problem with Cole Komet. I'm glad to see him playing well. And I'm super glad both of those Notre Dameers are playing the same team. Greg, another outstanding show. Uh, You've got so many followers, but listen to this one. This is probably the best – the best comment. Tony says, this is without doubt the best show out there. I really know football, but Greg, you shouldn't include me on this, but Greg humbles me with real football knowledge. <laughs> Thank you, Tony, for including me on this. I know what you meant. You were just being polite, <laughs> Tony, <laughs> by including my name on there. Greg, you're the absolute best. I'm already looking forward to next week's show. Uh, we'll be in touch during the week, and uh, let's go Bears. Let's get, let's get Sounds a good. Bye-bye, everyone. See you later. Bye-bye. We'll be right back.